Um, we're in this series <coughs> on the book of Acts. Um, <laughs> officially, uh, and I mentioned this before, if, if you look in the official title is Acts of the Apostles. But in reality, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit and the Apostles are just along for the ride um, in many respects. And we're, we're kind of learning that. Uh, it happens to be Pentecost Sunday. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. It's amazing how that worked out. Um, the uh, thing that I think we're learning, at least so far, I'm trying to recap, and, and I'm doing this as much for myself as I am for everybody else, but we're learning that there's this difference between the baptism of John, John the Baptist, which is about repentance and the forgiveness of sins, and then we've got um, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is more about the power of God for the, for the kingdom of God, which is an interesting thought. Um, you have to be empowered in order to live within the kingdom. And this is where we find things like the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and, and true sanctification that's coming out of that. And so we've kind of been messing around with those ideas for several weeks now. Uh, but today we're going to pick up Acts chapter 2. And frankly, um, we're going to camp here probably for another week or two. Um, I, I don't know because I actually thought I was going to be talking about speaking in tongues today. And apparently the Lord had a different idea. So I have no idea how much longer we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. So hang tight. You know, it should be interesting. Um, but I thought that was um, kind of where I was going. And, and there was a certain... Uh, part of the text that really arrested my attention, and I'm presuming that, that God's kind of poking and prodding in that area. So, um, when we pick up the, the story in Acts chapter 2, let's just remind ourselves where we are within the storyline itself. So, Jesus told his disciples, stay in Jerusalem until you receive power from heaven. Of course, they had no idea what this meant, right? Okay, we're going to get the power. I don't know. Now, I, this is what I find just fascinating to me because at another point in the Gospel of Luke and in the other Gospels, Jesus actually gives them authority over uh, evil spirits and sickness. So they already had some power, and they, they had to have been wondering, what does this mean? You know, we've already seen some of this occur, but now there's more that's coming. And he says, now I want you to wait in Jerusalem and... Um, and you, you just stay right here until you receive that power. And then he ascends into heaven. He flew, okay? I mean, that's kind of the, the impression that's going on. And all of a sudden he ascends up and, and they're looking up at the sky. And this is, this is amazing kind of a picture. And so what do they do? They kind of go and they gather together and they replace uh, Judas, who had killed himself by this point, with Matthias. And they used, um, basically they kind of rolled the dice more or less, and it, it came up with Matthias, and then they waited. I'm really bad at waiting. How about you? Yeah, they waited. That's what it says. So let's pick up the story. Grab a Bible if you have it. Um, I'm going to pick up the story. Acts chapter 2. I'm going to take this kind of chunk at a time. So let's look at uh, the first kind of segment here of this passage. Um, I'm reading from an NIV version, uh, Acts chapter 2, and beginning with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
They saw what seems, seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, uh, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Egypt. Yes, I think so. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. That was incompetence right there. That's what it was. Uh, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, uh, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Yeah, this is a fascinating kind of passage, and it's one that we read quite, quite often um, when we're talking about this day, Pentecost, which is uh, 50 days after, uh, if I remember correctly, after the Passover. And it was a, a Jewish festival. Christians have kind of co-opted it because there's this event that happens at Pentecost that, that we, we pay close attention to. Now, there's a couple of verses that I really want to um, focus in on. Let's just uh, uh, zoom, in, um, zoom in on these. So, Acts chapter 2, verse 11. This group of foreigners who are in uh, Jerusalem at this time Hearing this, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Now, I want you to notice something in here, because I think this is really important. There's two aspects of this. The first thing is, is that there is the expression, okay? There's an expression, and I'll give you the other one, content. So there are two important factors in this quick statement, the expression of this, and a content. Now, first of all, in the expression, there's multiple languages, all being communicated at the same time. Now, my impression here is that each one of the disciples is able to, is enabled to speak a different language, and so they're hearing these things um, from, from a disciple that happens to be speaking their language. Um, what I find so fascinating, uh, and I've, I think I preached about this before, but do you remember the Tower of Babel? What divided people? Language. And now the Holy Spirit was enabling them to unite through language. Amazing, isn't it? This is a complete reversal of what happened at the Tower of Babel. That's what's going on here. It is that epic of a, a piece of the story. And the, 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 the other little note, and I, I kind of pause there, is aren't these Galileans? And just remember, Galileans equals redneck. Right? These, are the, these are the guys from the north. Yeah, they're not, they're not supposed to know how to do this. This is unique. Aren't they Galilean? Wait a minute, they're not, they shouldn't be able to do this. So they're expressing all these languages, and it's coming from this unlikely source. It's this kind of epic sort of biblical event that's going on, 
And the fact that they're doing this in this context is a wonder in and of itself. Okay? So the expression itself is a wonder that they're seeing. The other aspect to this is that there's some content here. What did they declare? It's right there. The wonders of God. By the way, the word in Greek here for wonders means um, wonders or mighty acts, mighty deeds of God. They're declaring the mighty deeds of God. Now, I want you to notice something. Oh, I'm going to step my foot in it. Are you ready? They didn't lead with the gospel. I want you to think about that. They didn't lead with the good news. They didn't lead with repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Did you notice that? That's what John did. John did that. And Jesus did it to a certain extent, but they didn't lead with that. Instead, they led with the wonders of God. And I wonder, maybe that's a better approach to evangelism. How about we not worry about their decision for Christ? But what if we open with the wonders that we know about God and maybe what God has done in our lives. What if we just started there? Because I I think this is is an important aspect to how we communicate with people who are either unchurched or de-churched. And frankly, people in the church who just need some encouragement. Because if you have people who are in the church They already understand repentance and the forgiveness of sins, but they might need to be encouraged that God is still on the throne. Amen? We need that every now and then. And I think it's fascinating that they opened with the wonders of of God's deeds and his his activity. Now, I'm going to hit the pause button and I'm going to give a little caution. There's a very good chance that as I'm talking about this, inside your head, you're saying, yeah, that's true, that's great. You know, we we, we don't have to talk about everybody's sin all the time and, and, you know, wagging our finger that they should repent. And yes, yes, it'd be a great idea to start with the wonders of God. But I'm going to guess that a lot of you have a voice in your head that's going, yeah, but my story isn't very exciting. Ignore that voice. Please ignore that voice. I think it's important that you ignore that voice. Because your story isn't necessarily wondrous doesn't mean that it isn't effective. I recently heard a story about a guy who had been um, talking with um, another man about issues of faith. And uh, guy was struggling with, with whether or not he, he actually believed. <clears throat> he, be, he thought that he did, but there were still a lot of questions. And he asked the, the man who had been talking to him, the Christian, you know, why, why is it that you keep talking to me? And, and he replied, well, it's like, it's like you're birthing a baby and the baby's in their breach. And I'm trying to help, I'm trying to help get you home. And he said, with, with that, the man just fell apart. 
and for, I don't know, 90 minutes, confession and, and um, just God did some healing work in his life. And when it was all over, this new Christian told the, or asked the, uh, the, the Christian who was talking with him, how did you know? And he says, I, what, what do you mean, how did I know? He says, how did you know that I was a um, military nurse and I've delivered lots of breech babies? <laughs> and you think your story's not exciting? Holy Spirit doesn't care. Who knows, you might have the right words, the right language to actually connect with someone. Now, didn't lead with repentance. He was just talking with the guy. They were trying to understand what was going on, and, and it was just that piece of the story. He says, I don't know why I said that. I just kind of said that, and it was the one thing that captured that, that individual's attention, and I think we need to pay attention to that. So ignore that voice that says that your story isn't exciting enough. Because the Holy Spirit can use those things that you offer to him and, and great things happen. It is simply shame that keeps you quiet about these things. Stop it. Just share your story. Be generous with the wonders of God. It's ultimately his story anyway and he's happy to use it. So, and I, and I think that there's the other piece of this when we, when we allow ourselves to do that, when we lead with the wonders of God that are happening in our own lives, even if they're small, even if we perceive them as not a big deal, as maybe somebody else's, but notice what happens. Amazed and perplexed. Amazed and perplexed. The word here, perplexed, means that <clears throat> um, they were at a loss. They were without explanation. It was like, yeah, I don't know what to do with that. Amazing perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Which, by the way, is a great question. It's a great question. And here they are listening to the wonders of God, wrapped in a wonder itself, and they're saying, what does all of this mean? So don't worry about your story not being exciting enough. Because they might look at you and go, I don't know what that means. Well, great. Now you've got more of an opportunity to talk. To have that conversation with them and then allow the Spirit to guide you and, and direct you on that. And don't worry about the decision. Just be faithful to what God has done in your life and sharing it with someone else. So let's keep reading the story because I think this is really uh, kind of an interesting thing that happens next. We're going to go um, to verse 14 if you have your Bible. Chapter 2, verse 14. Let me pick it up. Okay. Then Peter stood up. <clears throat> Peter, this is the guy who denied Jesus, right? This is the guy who rebuked Jesus for talking about, about dying. This is the one that Jesus looked at and said, get thee behind me, Satan, right? Okay, this is Peter. Peter, who apparently likes to eat his own foot a lot, right? Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. So all y'all... Okay, right? All y'all who live here, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. 
In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Wow. By the way, if you ever get a chance, go read Joel chapter 2. Let me tell you something about Joel. Joel, the prophet, is one of the earliest of the writing prophets. He was probably a contemporary of Elisha. You remember him. He liked to work miracles. He would do signs and wonders on his own. He's a miracle-working prophet. And Joel is essentially saying at the same time, yeah, you ain't seen nothing yet. There's more to come. Because what what you're seeing in people like Elisha, guess what? It's going to happen on all people. And I think that's an an important feature to this for us to think about. So get a chance, read um, Joel chapter 2. And I really really like this. Um, Then Peter stood up with the eleven and said, carefully listen to what I, what I have to say. And he then talks about how God will pour out his spirit on all people. Sons and what? Daughters. Men and, let's be clear, everybody gets some of this. Okay? Everybody does. So much for women not belonging in ministry. <clears throat> And notice after the wonders of God. Uh, Where is it? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So how about we chase after the presence of God ourselves, be open and generous with the wonders of, of God that he's displayed in our lives, and let's let the Holy Spirit actually change the hearts and guide the decisions. See, it's not about being faithful in evangelism from the standpoint of helping people make that decision. It's about being faithful to the story that God is telling and your role or your your part of that story is being open and generous about that and letting the Holy Spirit do his thing that frankly only he can do. Now look, I understand. I understand that this prophecy was written for an ancient people. I get it. I understand that. But let me point out two things. Number one, Since Jesus hasn't come back yet, we're still in the last days. And by the way, we've been in the last days since Jesus left, okay? Uh, It's a pretty broad understanding of the last days, but the fact of the matter is, is since Jesus hasn't arrived back yet, that pouring out of the Spirit is still going on today. And secondly, secondly, and this is the thing that I want you to get a hold of, is that this shows the nature of God. This prophecy in Joel shows the very nature of God. He wants to pour out his spirit. Now now think about that. He wants to to pour out his spirit. He's not stingy with it. And it's not like, I always have this image, you know, of 
kind of the, it's the old man God, you know, with the beard who's sitting up there kind of doing this, tapping, going, Mm-mm, no, no, no. It's not like he's, you know, indis- uh, withholding these things in- indiscriminately. In fact, I think sometimes we'll, we say things like, well, God just showed up. Or we wonder, is God going to show up today? Um, God's here. We're gathered in his name. We're two or more are gathered in his name. He's here, right? So he's here right now. And so when we talk about God himself and the spirit of God, it is never on his willingness. It's never on that. So there must be something else in play. And I think it has to do with our response to him. That's what our, where I think a lot of this is going. And here's what I believe that, here's what I believe God, what, what God wants us to know. This, this, is, this is what I'm thinking. I think the first thing is, just like he saw all of those people who spoke different languages in Jerusalem and was able to communicate with each one individually, I believe God sees each one of you and can speak your language and wants to. God sees you every last bit, including the parts you'd like to forget. And the beautiful thing is, he loves you anyway. And we just, we just sang about this, about being sons and daughters of God. He chose you, and he still chooses you and continues to choose you even when you screw up. That sounds like good news to me. And I think the other thing to remember is I don't think God is ever out to embarrass us. But he wants us to be free. And so sometimes there's just stuff that needs to come out in the open in order for us to be free. And he wants us to be free so that we can live in right relationship and power. This idea of power is very interesting to me because I don't want to get, ever get wrapped up in the power, and yet I tend to believe that the presence of God and the power of God kind of happen at the same time. Just got real quiet in here. Did you notice that? I've been just kind of trying to understand this on my own because remember I promised you I was going to be real and, um, and I know um, that we've been chasing after this presence of God just in ourselves I don't know about you but I felt it this morning did you feel it um, and sometimes I think that we can easily substitute that feeling of the presence of God just with a large group dynamic, which is cool, by the way. I really like that. 
I remember Easter Sunday, we had 115 some odd people in here. It was cool. There was a lot of energy in the room. And yet, <clears throat> I just feel like today, the presence of God just felt here. I'm still trying to figure out what that means, what that feels like. And so I just, I just continually ask, come Holy Spirit and be part of what we're doing here. I don't want to do this without the Spirit's presence. And I have no idea what that means or what that's going to look like. All I know is that if we truly want to be about the kingdom of God, we need to be empowered in order to live that out. So I don't know what you're facing today. I have no idea, but I trust that the Spirit does. And it could be um, physical, it could be emotional, it could be psychological, it could be relational. Whatever that is, um, James and I will be in the back again, ready to pray with you. And you know, if no one comes, we're still going to be praying for you. Because that's kind of how we roll. We really want for people to experience all that God has in mind for us. But I want to tell you that it starts not with what happens here, but it starts with what you're doing in relation to the Father, day in and day out. That's where this stuff begins to make sense. Now, let me just say this. <clears throat> There's a part of you um, who says, okay, that sounds great, but how do I do that? Oh, that's a great question, and I would be happy to try to walk with you through that because I think there are some ways that we can connect with God individually and daily that's quite effective, and would love to share those with you. But here's the thing. You have got to want it. And that's between you and the Lord.